Dante, thanks for joining us for Digging Deeper. We're going to press a little bit into um, something we mentioned in the sermon on Sunday, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and then dried them with her hair. I want to read those verses so you can follow along. It's in Luke 7, starting at verse uh, 39, or excuse me, 36. And um, I want to read this whole story to you to kind of put it in context and then help you see that this woman's actions are a result of her standing before Jesus in authenticity rather than image. So let's start with verse 36 in Luke 7. You need to get the background and the context of this, this story here, this event. So in verse 36 it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. And he said, A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Think about that for a minute. <clears throat> we talked about authenticity versus image yesterday and all the contrast through Matthew 7, the contrast of the speck in uh, your neighbor's eye, your brother's eye, versus the log in your own. The contrast between the wide gate and the narrow gate. <clears throat> the contrast between a good father and an evil father. And all those different contrasts. Those contrasts basically point to this idea of Jesus facing people who professed to know him, who even said he was their Lord. In verse 23, and his answer to them is, depart from me, I, I never knew you. I think this woman is a really perfect example of what happens in us when we become authentic before Jesus, when we become authentic before God. Here's what happens when we become authentic. To look at ourselves in an authentic manner, to see the log in our own eye, to, to realize the capacity to um, do evil that's in ourselves and we look at ourselves with authenticity and then we allow Christ to look at us in an authentic way, what happens is this. We become overwhelmed by His goodness and glory and our lack of that. 
we become overwhelmed by His willingness to forgive and our willingness to hang on to things. But we also become overwhelmed by our need. And I think authenticity leads to repentance in this way because I can't repent of things that I don't realize are sins. And so if we fail to see ourselves in an authentic way, then what happens is this. We minimize our need for our Savior. We reduce the need for salvation, the need for grace and mercy, down to things that really aren't that big. So we're not overwhelmed by them. In a sense, we become those people who are not forgiven much. Not that God hasn't forgiven us, but we haven't brought much to Him to forgive. And you hear people say sometimes that, you know, I just don't think God can forgive me in this. Well, the, the, the problem with that is you're reducing God's capacity to forgive to what you perceive your ability to forgive is. You're back to the log and the speck. You know, you, you're back to the, the idea of, I'm going to walk through the wide gate, it's easier. You're back to the idea of coming before God in a way that's not authentic. You see your need for forgiveness, but you're not willing to allow God to be who He is authentically. And then the other side of that is those of us or those times in our lives where we look at ourselves and we minimize everything. Well, I did this, but it's not as bad as what this person did. Now we're back to the log and the speck again. It's not as horrible as what other people do. I'm not a bad person. I just, and then fill in the blank. And what happens in those times is we're not authentic with ourselves. We may come to God and see Him and say, God can forgive all things. But fortunately for me, I don't have much to be forgiven of. That's the, the, the Pharisee's mindset. That's the, the, the saying of, you know, you can't, I can't touch Jesus because I'm a sinner, because He's holy, but the reality is He became what I am so that I can become what He is. And, and authenticity demands that I look at myself and go to the deepest, darkest places. But I don't do those in my, in my own space alone. I do those in the presence of Jesus. And then I find that I see myself clearly, but I also see Him clearly. And He sees me clearly, which means that that forgiveness goes into the deepest places of my need. I want to read you another verse from Luke. In Luke um, 5, the, the, the story of Jesus telling uh, Peter and, and some of the other apostles to throw their nets out after they've been fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything, and they throw their nets out, and, and, and um, this miracle happens. And, and so I want to pick it up in verse 6 in Luke 5. <clears throat> and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, I think what's happening here is this is a moment of Peter becoming authentic with himself bringing himself as he is before Jesus. He saw himself. He didn't do anything wrong in these verses. He didn't commit any sin in this verse, yet he still sees himself as sinful. Because here's what I think happens when we're authentic. When we're authentic and we look on Jesus with eyes that are authentic, and we look on ourselves with eyes that are authentic, we have no 
other conclusion to come to except this. He is holy, I am sinful. And that's exactly the place we need to land at if we are going to begin to have a deep, authentic relationship with Jesus that, that Matthew 7 in verse 23 speaks of. Or maybe it speaks of the absence of. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, what I see in the, that verse is people coming to Jesus saying, we see you as who you are, but we don't see ourselves as who we are. We see you as Lord, but we don't see us as in need. We don't see us as sinful. We see you as powerful and the one who judges all things, but we see us as okay. We're just not that bad. We did all these things in your name. Look at our resume, Lord. Look at our resume. We're good. We've done good things for you. And Jesus brings it all back to relationship. I never knew you. And that's what I think authenticity does. Peter found authenticity in this moment in Luke 5 where he could stand before Jesus and see that Jesus had authority and power I think it's more than just throw your net on this side of the boat instead of that side. I think that's when Peter's eyes were opened up to see Jesus in the fullness of his majesty and glory and his perfection. And when faced with that, I have no choice but to say, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. See, here's what I love about Peter telling Jesus to go away. I think that statement speaks to the idea of this. I cannot be in your presence except by your choosing, not mine. When I turn to Jesus and I'm authentic, my first reaction is I have no place in you because I see me as I am. And his first response is, no, I've made a place in me for you because I've resolved what you've been. The resolution of what I've been is Christ, which means now I have a place in him as I truly am. And so, so that's why authenticity matters. I, I, I wonder if God can even hear my prayers that are not authentic. I wonder if God can even change my life when I don't come to Him authentically. I wonder if God can transform me when I only bring Him image, not who I authentically am. I don't know. I don't know. I think that authenticity is that important, though, that if I'm going to truly have a relationship with Jesus, it's got to be rooted in who I am, who I know me to be underneath it all. Not who you see me as, not who others say I am, but who I am at my deepest place. Because then in my authentic self, I find the real need I have for Jesus which means that I can allow him to meet me in those places where he wants to do the greatest work in me. And he can say, I know you. I know you. And I can also say, I know you. Because if you think about that word no, we have to cling to this. That word no is a deep, intimate, experiential, relational knowledge. Do I know Jesus in a relational way the same way I know my wife and my kids and my friends and my family? Or do I simply know him the way that I know 
Um, people who casually encounter me at times. People who I stand before with my best face on. Who don't know who I am in the moments where I'm truly myself, where I'm most myself. They don't know what my frustrations are. They don't know what, what my hangups are. They don't know what my struggles are. They simply know, well, he's just a nice guy and he smiles and says hello to me every time I see him. See, Jesus wants to know us in those places, the places where our struggles live, where our hurts live, where our trials live, where our confusion is. And he wants us to know him in the places of his own life where he is the one who can carry all of that and redeem all of that and most importantly forgive all of that. So, so authenticity, honestly, as we become more authentic, we become more repentant. We begin to turn from who we've been just as Peter did in these verses in, in Luke 5 when they were fishing. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. At that moment, that's when Jesus and Peter connected. That's when they became known to each other. We all need that moment. That moment where I see Jesus in all of his majesty, perfection, and glory, and I see me in all of my neediness and brokenness and hurts. And I look at him and I say, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And he goes, no, that's the last thing I'll do. Because you now know me, and I know you, I'm never leaving. That's what we all need. That's the place of deep repentance, true repentance, See, repentance isn't sorrow for my actions. Repentance is recognizing that I've broken the relationship and, and coming back to the relationship. I can only come back to the relationship as who I truly am, which means I have to be authentic. I hope that's helpful. There's some great questions that you can uh, look at together and, and poke through. Um, but I want to encourage you to practice standing authentically before Jesus by practice standing authentically before each other. It's okay and safe to, to verbalize, speak out loud in your group and this, this, this group of people that you're doing life with, together with. It's okay to say, man, these are the places where I don't think Jesus accepts me. These are the places where I don't think I can stand before him. These are the places where I look and I feel like he needs to walk away from me because I'm sinful. And find encouragement in one another, in the authenticity that exists between people as members of a group trying to do life together with God at the center. And encourage each other to stand in your authentic self with the log in your eye before Jesus and before each other. And find that he's looking back at you and saying, ah, now I know you. Now you're known by me. I hope that's helpful. I hope you have a great time in your discussion. Let me pray for you before you go into those conversations. Father, I'm just so grateful that, that we can come before you just as we are, just as Peter did, and recognize that we're sinful, just as the woman in, in Luke 7 did, and be able to say, you know, I, I, I'm broken, and you've forgiven me so much, and I have no choice. There's no other response but to love you much because you've forgiven me much. And Father, whatever that looks like for us, bring it. Whether it looks like tears, whether it looks like elation, whether it looks like sorrow and grief or frustration or joy and excitement, it may look like all of those things at one time. 
But let us get to a place where we authentically see ourselves and we allow you to see us as who we are authentically and find that there's a relationship that's built there that's so close and so tight it can never be severed between Jesus and ourselves because of the authenticity. We just ask that you show up in mighty ways for all of us and do that work. And we ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have a great time in your group and have a great week.